2: From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus.
3: Yes!
1: Welcome into the Inside <laughs> Carolina Roundtable. I'm your host, Tommy. Ashley's it's football season again. Spring ball starts Sunday, March 5th. Mac Brown's having a press conference tomorrow um, at 11 a.m. to. Among other things, open spring practice and then uh, introduce uh, Freddie Kitchens. I lost my train of thought there for a second. Freddie Kitchens is a new tight end coach. Buck, I'll come to you first. And, of course, we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. Everybody on this chat that's already in here, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do it. Please also rate us, review us, and all that good stuff. It helps with the rhythms to get more people in here. Overall thoughts on i guess the last couple months of of no football and here we are on the door of spring football
2: well uh i would say that number one north carolina did pretty well in the transfer portal uh number two um uh, on the coaching front i think the higher uh freddie kitchens was a really good one um they didn't i don't think address their issues that they needed to address on defensive coaching that's just my opinion and people can disagree or agree with that as they want to but um you know other than that there's not been a lot to talk about i mean there's been a lot of exciting news i think in the transfer portal um and you know with the on the coaching front just as uh replacements were made uh, after John Lilly left and uh, Phil Longo left. So we're just going to have to see how things stack up this spring, which is starting in less than a week now.
1: Hard to believe. Taylor, I'll get you in. Um, what would you like to see going in? What would you like to hear from Mac Brown and then see going into spring practice?
3: Um, there's not too much that Mac Brown could – could say, I think that would kind of sway my opinion one way or the other with this team, just knowing how coaches can speak in hyperboles at times. And there's been times where we thought one thing with this North Carolina team and, and you got something different. Um, but coming into the spring, I would say I want to see uh, a defense that looks a lot more fundamentally sound. Uh, Buck mentioned it only one defensive coach was um, changed and that was Dre Bly going to the NFL. I kind of agree with Buck that it it doesn't really make sense that no other changes were, were made when you look at the statistics and how bad that Carolina defense was. And it was uh, a defense that was bad the year before and got even worse somehow. Um, So for, for me personally, I'm, I love offense. I'm somebody who who wants to play games in the 40s and the 50s, uh, but for for once, I, I would like to see uh, Carolina field some semblance of a defense.
1: Uh, Jason, I'll bring you in here and then Greg will get you overall thoughts. I, I tend to agree with Taylor. I, I saw a lot of chairs moved around on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, maybe needed. Ian Longo moves on to Wisconsin. And then some other changes, but nothing on the defensive side of note going into spring.
0: Main thing I'm looking for to see this spring is I want to see physicality. It's real simple. I want to see offense and defense getting after each other, especially on the the offensive and defensive line. I, I, you know, I've felt like the last few years in particular, but I mean, this has been a systemic problem at Carolina for a long time. I have felt like Carolina was soft in general on, on both lines of scrimmage. They, they made some strides there, I think, a little bit last year on the, on the offensive line, but I don't think they did on the defensive line. And, and, you know, in hindsight, there were warning signs last year when we looked at the spring. You look at the spring game and how well the North Carolina offensive, how well the North Carolina offense ran the football against the defense last in last year's spring game. I want to see it, you know, it's, it's one of those difficult things, right? You, you know, how good is your running game versus how good is your run defense? Is this a problem with run defense? Or is this just that you have a really good run offense? That's always the thing when you're playing when you're playing yourself, but I want to see it difficult football by the end of the spring. I want, I want them to have to, I want And it'd be partly because I know given some of the talent that they have in the offensive line, some of those things, they should be okay running the football next year, but I want to see physicality. I want to see uh, an edge in terms of the toughness level of, of of this program uh, that I've not seen so far. And that's what I'm looking for in in, in the spring. Primarily. That's the first thing.
1: Greg, get in here. I agree with Jason there um Mike Brown's talked about it he talked about it over the offseason um how much of that can you get in spring practice yeah I mean is that the time and place to do it and yes. here we are March the 5th starts March 5th Greg you muted
3: Tommy? This look, this that is always, that always makes me chuckle. Every Tommy? time it gets somebody, it makes me laugh.
1: This is okay, so this is the first time we've been together in in, a, in a, quite a while. Um, so everybody gets one mulligan to keep it golf related.
4: <laughs> oh, it's, it's golf season. It is. We had, we had our first match Monday. Um <laughs> so yeah, Tommy I No doubt. Spring is the time to do it. I I think fans may be a little frustrated just in terms of the information that comes out of spring practice. And the reason why is uh, this is back to the basics. What, what Gene Chiswick showed his first time in Chapel Hill, kind of what he likes to do is you've had that full year. We know the defense didn't play well last year. Uh, I have full faith that what he will do for these 15 practices is start over. And that's not specific to what happened last year. This is how he likes to do things. He likes to go back to the basics, really work on the fundamentals, rebuild the scheme that he wants to run. Um, he's, you know, I think last time he was in Chapel Hill, I want to say he did it maybe three times. where They pretty much started over just to make sure everybody understood what was taking place. So I have no doubts that's what's going to take place on the defensive side of the ball this spring. Maybe the the last couple of practices, like we saw last year, they add a few things and, and things start to click for the players. Um, and you obviously judge what you put in on how quickly the the guys pick it up, right? Especially with there being so many new guys in. Um, and then offensively, of course, it's it's going to be the same thing because you've, you've got a a new offensive coordinator and you've got some new faces. I'm sure. You know, Freddie Kitchens just got here, but he's going to have some tidbits to throw in. So uh, while it's not going to be a, a drastic overhaul in terms of what they want to do offensively, it is going to be a little bit different. Um, and you, when you start talking about um, – I won't repeat word for word what the other guys have already said, but you win in this game at the line of scrimmage. That's physicality. Uh, that That's being able to, to be good on, along the defensive line, to hold your own, and that's being able to, as an offensive line, get the yards that you want. Matt Brown has talked for three or four years now about, I want to be able to run the ball when we want to run the ball, not when the defense allows us to run it. Um, and this is the opportunity to finally do that. And so I think you, while you'll lose some of the explosiveness of a Phil Longo offense, uh, you hope that in return you're able to, to do a little bit better job running the ball. And so I think that's how this shapes up. I think it's going to be a very basic, uh, fundamentally sound spring practice. And I think that's what this program needs to be able to take advantage of the good things that happened last year and really build upon it.
1: So let me just ask the basic, simple question. I mean, is anybody paying attention to the offense in spring? And I know we've mentioned it here, but, it, but is this straight... Is this a, sort of the offense is what it is? Chip Lindsey and Clements and now Kitchens and Buck, you can chime in here. You can't screw it up with Drake. I, I would think that you, you can't. Screw oh, you up can.
0: With
1: well, uh, they better not.
0: <laughs>
1: I would but, think see, and,
0: and that's where number. that's where the number two thing that I'm interested in looking at is what they're doing offensively and, and some of those things, because there's definitely going to be uh, some of those elements involved but at the end of the day i'm interested in what they're going to do i mean th- that that's the most interesting schematic thing i mean there, there's definitely going to be changes offensively and i think one of the reasons that people are saying well you know i'm most interested in watching the defense or whatever is because they're they're looking at you know there you uh, go the last few years, sorry, my, my, mic, the, the levels on this always adjust themselves in, in this particular application. And it drives me crazy. Um, but the, the problem is that the, that people are so used to seeing Phil Longo churn out offensive, successful offense or successful offense, that everybody's going to sort of take for granted that that's what we, that's what we have to, that, that's what we're going to see no matter what. I mean, Year in, year out, you know, we know that Carolina is going to be good offensively. We, we don't know that for sure next year. We're going to have to see how everything gels with this staff and this set of personnel. But it is going to be hard to screw things up with Drake May, no doubt. But I am interested to see that. Now, Greg, the problem, one of the problems with, with some of the stuff that uh, of, of finding that, that fix of being able to run the football when you want to run it is everybody's been able to run the football when they've wanted to run it on North Carolina the last few years. And that's been one of the reasons I think that they've had trouble getting better running the football on offense is if you're not playing against a defensive front, that's actually challenging and challenging you in that respect, you don't get better. You don't get enough better. So that's the other part on the offensive side that I want to see. And that's why my answer is not about defense. My, my primary answer, what I want to see is toughness. And that goes to the offensive side too. And that's something that I hope Lindsay and and, and, uh, Clements are able to bring into uh, into this this offense you know ideally they they're able to keep a lot of what they did while adding a little bit more toughness and a little bit more of that that nasty run game into the into the mix when they get in when they get in tight that that I think would be the you know the optimal situation
3: adding to Jason's point about the offense like what we're looking for in the offense I think at times last year you saw how non-productive the Carolina offense got when they didn't have Antoine Green and they didn't have Josh Downs and those are two pretty big-time receivers that Carolina is replacing so for me I'm looking at Tez Walker I'm looking at Nate McCollum I'm looking for you know Andre Green Jr um, Kobe Pace or there's a lot of receivers there I think if I had to pick the guys right now it would be Walker and McCollum just based off um, what I feel like I do know and, and the experience that they bring um, as guys that have contributed. And I don't think, I don't think they're, they're getting recruited here to come play with Drake may to be backups to some of these guys. Um, and then also when, when we talk about wanting to be a more physical team, he, he wasn't a transfer, but it's, it's almost like you get him as a transfer. Somebody like British Brooks, who who's a real physical running back where going into training camp last year the only two names we really heard were omar and hampton and george petaway and they they had some moments throughout the season but i don't think anybody really took advantage of their carries to kind of separate um so now you add british brooks back into the equation and all of a sudden you you do have more physical runners that maybe fit that physical style a a bit more than somebody like Petaway who who's uh, more shifty in space. But um, I think, I think it's a good problem to have just just get as much talent to Chapel Hill as you can, and then let it figure it out for itself.
1: I agree with that. Buck, I'm going to throw a column or a comment up here. And I'm going to give some people on the chat, some inside baseball. One of the cool things about working for inside Carolina is I get to, read things before they become public and one of those things is buck sanders wonderful columns every day so we're going to tease that a little bit here buck sean crawley how about a junction boys type
2: camp yeah here's the thing yeah yeah uh you know uh the days of the junction boys are gone uh (laughs) and uh so you know and a lot of people have the idea that you know, and there are things you can do in spring camp to enhance uh, physicality and and to bring that trait forth as much as possible. But keep in mind, the NCAA has has impacted what you can do during spring practice. Uh, Taylor Viplis never went through a Junction Boys kind of deal where uh, Bear Bryant saying uh, – you know, I was at the end at Bama, and uh, I drug my leg around for four quarters with a broken leg at Tennessee. What's this shit you're talking about with the uh, elbow? You know, so that, that's that's not happening these days. And, and only eight of the practices, um, you know, can you have full tackling to the ground? Uh, or yeah, I think that's right, eight ta- practices you could have tackling to the ground, 12 practices you could have some kind of contact, but not tackling to the ground. So, you know, there's limitations upon uh, as far as, uh, you know, they're not going to be running Oklahoma drills or bull in the ring or any of that, you know, every day at spring practice to, to get more physical. And, and I understand Jason's point and I get it. And there are things they can do, but it's, it's not, uh, you know, the world 20 years ago or 30 years ago in, in terms of what you can do, uh, you know, in spring practice or fall camp. And, uh, Tommy brings that up because that's the subject of my column tomorrow as uh, the limitations, uh, but, you know, that, that's one of the things that you have to think about. When people on the message board say, well, just let them bang heads all through spring practice. Somebody gets hurt, next man up, blah, 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 blah. You know, that might have worked in 1920 when they were wearing leather helmets but and unlimited scholarships, but not today.
3: I had to look up uh, what or who the Junction Boys even were. Oh my god! Uh, That was a reference. That one, man. I did not look. Look, I have
1: struggled with the youth on some of these podcasts.
2: You know, if Taylor had never said that, I would feel better.
1: I would too, Uh, Taylor. We've got some homework for you.
0: Uh, Um, And and I was going to ask. You make me feel old, and I'm I'm I was supposed (laughs) to be the young guy here, but that's that's gone out the window real quick.
1: Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm out of it. Let me, let me. Had to it. look up junction boards. <laughs> this is awesome. I love you guys, but Taylor, damn. All right. And Sean, we know Sean Crawley shout out to a major uh, listener and, and interactor in the chat. Um, come on Slagle. Come on. There's other people y'all y'all got to do some homework. All right. Homework. When we meet again, I won't, we're going to have a test anyway Taylor let me ask you this when you were at Carolina and y'all practiced, what made you tougher what 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 did they do um, in spring brawl that made you guys tougher specifics there
3: were there were some physical drills we did um, like Chiswick's first Chiswick's first spring I remember we did a lot of um, board drills like wide receiver DBs um, you're basically just straddling a a board five yards apart from each other and you're just you're just driving the other one I think I've told this before where somehow the numbers got messed up so by the time it came around and and I you went M. I went M.J. Stewart or something yeah I went up against M.J. Stewart and he if you could imagine what the old field looked like he drove me to where like the towards the field hockey I might as well have been in, in a field hockey goal that's that's where he drove me to uh and and Chizik it was like Chiswick's first practice and he was like jumping up and screaming like he was so excited that MJ did that And coach Brewer coach Brewer was like calm down that's like our 15th receiver <laughs> uh but it we didn't really need to do things like that because I don't I don't feel like like physicality and toughness was something that like we had a problem with. Our problem was more making sure that everybody was, was pulling in the right direction. We had at 2014, you know, some guys wanted to do this. Some guys wanted to do that. And you saw that when, when we played defense, where it was like, Oh, that guy is just clearly doing whatever he wants, no matter what the call is. Um, So, so our (laughs) problem wasn't really, (laughs) <laughs> hey, we have to get tougher. Our problem was, hey, let's let's all try to get on the same page. So I don't I don't think it, it was a problem that we really had to deal with, um, but we did do physical drills. You know, we don't I don't think we have to go back to the leather helmet days for some toughness. I remember doing Oklahoma drills. Never wanted to do them, but I remember doing. I'm gonna flat out tell you, know, you the I quit, NFL I quit football
1: of, when they made me do that in 2019.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I had, I had the misfortune of some similar, similar draws where, uh, we would do, you know, we would do board drills and I drew some safeties yeah. that were, you know, we had some guys that were, you know, 215 pound safeties that could fly. And it's like, this is not,
3: you start, you start doing the counting and you're like two, three, four. <laughs> and I'm like, looking at Quinch I like, are you? You sure you don't want to jump back? I, I don't think I'm supposed to be going up there. And then the coaches are like, "Come on, come on, somebody jump up there!" And you're like, "All right, here, here goes nothing." Yep. And by nothing, I, I literally nah. meant nothing.
1: Right, somebody caught my comment in the chat. Yeah, they, they, let's go Oklahoma drill. And I was like, "Boys, I see y'all in the smoke pit. I'm out."
0: Yeah, uh, no. Let's, the, uh, the worst for me was when they, when they recruited the wa- the walk on wide receivers to be the running backs in inside drill. They didn't want to get the they didn't want to get the scholarship running backs hurt, but they knew the guys like me were expendable. So it's like, all right, let's do gut drill. And uh, I remember count doing that counting thing, and I ended up. David Castillo was our red. He was a red shirt freshman center who had just come off of injury, so he wasn't even 100. percent And he wound up one on one with Darnell Dockett who was an all pro tack- defensive tackle a couple of years later. And I'm looking at this, like before I get the ball and I'm like, this is so not going to go well. And I get like, as I'm handed the ball, I watch docket like lift Castillo off his feet and move him. And he hasn't, he's still in the same spot where I'm supposed to go. And now I'm one-on-one with someone who's unblocked at 295, 300 pounds. <laughs> it was like, well, I'm putting my head down and let's see if I can dive at the legs.
1: Yeah, the old cannon fodder.
0: Walk-on cannon fodder. Yeah, it's not – those were not fun – that was the not fun parts of spring.
1: Greg, I do want to talk about, you know, Freddie Kitchens and those guys, and we'll get introduced to them tomorrow um, – to him tomorrow. But um, are you surprised that there were no changes on the defensive side other than Dre?
4: It's a good question, Tommy. Uh, and I, I guess I have to say Yes. Um, I say that knowing that uh, it's very easy just to look at the, uh, the product on the field as the only factor. And I know pretty much everybody watching this thinks that is the only factor, which I understand. And typically, I'm the same way. Uh, but you know, Tim Cross does bring a lot to the program in terms of what Mac Brown believes and, and kind of what, what he wants culture-wise. And I think it's important to state that when Mitch Mason started having his issues a couple of years ago, Tim Cross really stepped up uh, to provide support for the guys. And uh, that means a lot. Uh, I think it's difficult to argue that the defensive line um, has not been very good for North Carolina the last couple of years, despite having a wealth of talent. And so at the end of the day, that's kind of hard to get past, right? Um, and the only thing I can really think of is if you kind of go back to last year, uh, you know, Dre Bly was a guy that I think a lot of people thought was probably ready to move on. Um, and Charlton Warren was brought in really to kind of assist and to really help that situation. And a year later, uh, Dre, Dre has moved on. And so I wonder if it's the same kind of situation where you know, there's going to be some some help uh, in terms of the the GAs being able to you know, coach a little bit more, provided all that is, is finalized uh, and some in that manner to to take some to take some of the workload off of, of Tim in terms of exactly handling the defensive line. Uh, not you know, not that he he won't be doing it at all, but just that he'll have additional help. Uh, and so I imagine that's that's part of that. There, there's and I will say this, uh, need to make this clear. Mac Brown's not happy with what happened on the defensive side of the ball last year. Make no bones about that. Um, it's, it's not Mac dismissing it and saying, oh, it's fine. Nothing of the sort. He understands what needs to take place. And so I think that's kind of important for people to understand that there are significant expectations for the defense, especially the defensive line, as we move into spring practice and beyond.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Let let me go ahead and talk about Johnny T-Shirt right fast because after the break, I want to come back and I want us to kind of make a list of what is most important in spring and all that. I think we know physicality is going to be number one. But Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com, sponsored to the Mm. podcast, great friends of Inside Carolina. I've missed that. Great friends of Inside Carolina and the premium subscriber. I just know everybody in the YouTube chat is a premium Inside Carolina subscriber because I posted the link. On Tarpent Premium Board, and all you guys are here. So uh, it, it's working. So support Johnny T shirt either on Franklin Street, there at East Franklin Street, or online. They deliver it right to your house. Still fascinating. Um, somebody said, I have no dignity. Yeah, I have no dignity as far as I will order it and let them bring it to me rather than go get it. I'm getting old and tired of shopping. So it's a great process that they do it. Um, It's even better than Amazon. You get better customer service, that's for sure. Let the national guys pay the bills. Inside Carolina football roundtable. Hope Springs Eternal. I don't know if y'all noticed. That's the title I put on this. Here we are again after nine and five uh, getting hyped for the 2023 season. We'll be right back Subscribe to Point Forward the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.
0: Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here.
2: Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is
0: still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.
1: All right, guys. i um, will start with you, Buck. Let's go here on Inside Carolina Football Roundtable, pre-spring edition. Give me your top couple things, most important things you want to see addressed and handled uh, going into spring practice.
2: There's a limited amount of, Uh, Evidence we can have um, in terms of spring practice in general. But the thing I think that has to get rectified if North Carolina is going to move forward uh, and not take a step back is the disparity that exists between sacks allowed and sacks by the team. That, to me, that's just so, uh, sticks out so much. I, I wonder how North Carolina even scores the football. Uh, because the number of sacks they give up, if you think about it, if you have a drive with a sack, this is through sports source analytics, if, if your offense gets sacked during a drive, you're going to score points on average 16% of the time and a touchdown 9% of the time. And then you you look at North Carolina, they gave up 40 sacks. Okay, 40 sacks they gave up. That's 40 drives that statistically, they got less than a 10% chance of scoring a touchdown in that scenario. If you look at it on the other side of the ball, they created 17 sacks. Now, we used to uh, talk bad about Larry Fedora and his offense, is his defenses. In 2018, his defenses, his defense, uh, got 32 sacks and only gave up 10. That is a huge advantage statistically in, in just probabilities of scoring a touchdown, giving up a touchdown, or not giving up a touchdown. All those things come into play when you are you have a disparity between the number of sacks you get and the number one numbers that you give up. It's I don't see how you overcome it. I don't know how North Carolina won nine games last year with that kind of disparity. So, May. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, There's but, your
0: answer, real simple.
2: <laughs> but at the same time, what would it have been had there been a balance between the number of sacks they were getting and the number of sacks they were giving up instead of a 23-sack uh, deficit that they gave up over the course of the year? Uh, and, and if they don't get that straightened out, then I, I don't see the program taking a, a step forward now. Um, you know, they talked about this all last year in spring practice. Oh, we've got to get better at creating sacks and blah, blah, blah. And it just didn't. It just didn't. Um, and, you know, this is, as I think maybe Taylor brought up, this is the second year that we were two, you know, two years in a row this would be the now the third where we thought, well, North Carolina defense has to get better. It can't get worse. And we were wrong. Uh, so, you know, that, that's gotta get, that's gotta get worked out one way or the other.
1: For, uh, for reference purposes, Carolina was two and nine that year, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even with that, that, uh, pro Taylor, give me your they, number one. They didn't one or... have
2: Drake Bay. <laughs> yeah.
1: How important was Drake May? Yeah, that dude needs a statue already. Uh, Taylor, number one, maybe two things you're looking at in spring practice.
3: Yeah, shout out to uh, my guy Baden Hill. I'm gonna take a a line from him. It's it's hard to judge sometimes in the spring because you know sometimes you're you want to see something from the offense, but you're taking something away from the defense. Um, but for for me, I want to see a defensive line. That can win one on one matchups I think last year when you're Looking at Carolina's defensive line They win outside of like Came Rucker they win their one on one Matchups at such a Shockingly low percentage Where it's, <laughs> it feels like they're They're telegraphing um, Their moves to offensive Tackles or guards or centers um, I, And I think That's why you see such A low sack percentage because The guys just They just don't have anything in their bag. They're going to what they think they have. And an offensive line is stopping it. They don't really have any, any type of counter. So that would be what I want to see the most, because I think it would contribute to higher sack numbers. I want to see some semblance of a run game. I don't want to see the weight of the world on on Drake May's shoulders. I think that's what you saw towards the end of last year, where it got to be a bit too much for him, where, Carolina had to be near perfect with him throwing the ball and when he doesn't have Josh Downs at times or he doesn't have Antoine Green at times then you saw that that drop off and then I also want to see um, some of the some of the guys that we've been waiting to see um, from that freshman class last year kind of take that next step guys like Andre Green Jr. I mentioned um, somebody like Zach Rice where I think we've talked about it before offensive line is probably the hardest position to come in as a true freshman and contribute right away. But now he has some of um, that experience under his belt being in the program for a year. And I think by adding somebody like him to the offensive line, you can fix some of the competitiveness issues or, or the toughness, toughness issues, because when you talk to people inside the program, those are, Two of the biggest pros that he has, where he might he might be he might not be as strong from a, a technical standpoint because he was just one year removed from from the high school game. Um, but I think the the intangibles he can bring can start to outweigh some of some of the negatives or some of the things that he's still working on. So um, I would like to see those redshirt freshmen or the guys that were freshmen last year kind of take that next step interesting stuff i'm
1: trying to play around with the graphics so if it's distracting folks let me know but there's bucks there's taylor's and i will go to jason give me one or two things that you want to see addressed i mean you start you led the show with physicality
0: i mean aside from the things that have already been mentioned i do want to see I want to see some improvement in, and this is gonna, this is gonna be surprising, I think, to some people. But I want to see some improvement in the downfield passing game. Uh, I think Carolina could have been better in that area, and that's something. That's an area where Drake May himself could improve on last year. That's the one, really, the one big area that I think he can improve going into the next year is on his performance throwing you know, what are called bucket throws, you know, your downfield, true verticals. Uh, And especially late in the year, he missed on a number of, of uh, that deeper, you know, 20 plus yards downfield throw. Uh, He he missed a number of those. And I think has a chance. I mean, this is one of the things that Lindsay is, is, has got a reputation as a good quarterback coach Uh, jury is out for me. I want to see it, but, if you can get Drake to take another little bit, a little bit of a step forward there and then get a little bit more consistency from the wide receiver position in that area, I think that the offense uh, will be a good bit better. So that's one thing I'm looking for, uh, especially with the new additions. Can they, can they provide uh, some more in that area? Uh, And then, uh, and then beyond that, I I just really want to see, uh, I want to see better overall fundamentals and, uh, and just uh, uh, the ability to attack in the, in the, in the pass rush game. Uh, I think Amari Gainer should help a little bit there, but they've got to find a way to get pass rush uh, and, and to force the, the offensive line to have to actually block during practice. Uh, and, you know, if they, if they actually, if the offensive line gets used to blocking guys that can actually rush the passer, you'd have to think that that'll improve them during the season as well. So I want to see more competitiveness in that respect as well. Those are the big things for me.
1: Good take there. Um, I agree on the pass rush stuff. I mean, and Taylor, you mentioned the point, and then Greg, I want you to get in here, but you mentioned the point is like, if the offense tears it up in spring, does the defense stink? And vice versa. That's always the 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 big elephant in the room during spring practice. So um, that'll be something to watch. Greg, one or two?
4: Well, that's the thing. You know, last training camp, one of the defensive linemen said they thought were going to be the the top defensive front in the country. So you hear that, and you kind of wonder, you know, in hindsight, like where did that come from? Where was the offense really that that poor up front? Uh, you know, and that kind of goes back to what what Buck was talking about about sacks versus sacks allowed. Uh, one thing I would I would throw out: uh, Carolina's defensive line. So just the defensive line. Last year, ranked 130th out of 131 teams in sack rate at 3%. That's how often the, the four guys along the defensive line were, were getting sacks. Just, just
1: in perspective, what's the number one team? Like, like 3% sounds really low compared to –
4: Come back to me on that, Tommy, and I'll, I'll look it up. I don't have it right in front of me, but I can find that for you. Um, Should have known. If I was going to throw that out, you're going to ask me about it. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: <laughs>
4: uh, beauty uh, is that they, we
0: actually have the access to some of that at this point. Oh, right.
1: and that and that new toy that Buck told oh, us I'm about. i telling you. Kamosu? Is that not I mean.
4: Uh, they, they were also 119th. The defensive line was 119th and sack rate on obvious passing downs. So that's when you know they're going to pass the ball. How effective are you getting after um, the quarterback? And so, 119. Yeah, that, ab- that's that's not that's not good. It's not good at all. Not good at all. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this is damning or not, but I, I think it says a lot that the the best pass rusher North Carolina had last year was the, the kid who played the bulk of his career in Virginia. So it wasn't even a guy that the the staff. Uh, developed uh, I, you know I try not to read too much into that but I think that's that's noteworthy I do think that that part of it though we've talked a lot about the defensive line yeah you know, I think the secondary uh, I think the secondary needs to be a net positive there are a lot of guys that left uh, got some good talented guys that have come in and I think the fact that you uh, you have some guys you know at the FCS level uh, looking to prove themselves you know or maybe a transfer that was a backup somewhere else opportunities to, to prove yourself. I think that's a, a good thing to kind of add to the mix. So I'd like to see the secondary make some significant strides, especially with a, uh, you know, a, a new hire there at cornerbacks coach. And then in terms of the offensive side of the ball, just to kind of build on what's already been said, I, I do think it's interesting, as Jason noted, kind of the, the quarterback coach element of this. And that was very important. In Mac Brown's decision making with where he wanted to go for an offensive coordinator. Uh, and it really came down to after he kind of looked at some options, it really came down to Chip Lindsey and an NFL guy uh, and had Drake May talk with, with both. And at the end of the day, Drake thought Chip Lindsey was going to be the guy that was the best uh, teacher and mentor over his final year in Chapel Hill. And I think that's important because I think it's an opportunity for for Drake to, to get better this offseason. We really won't see that, of course, until we get into the season. But that's that's kind of a big part of why Chip Lindsay's here. And so, as Jason highlighted, there are areas where we, we know how good Drake is. We also kind of have an idea of his potential. Jason did a really good year, job last year kind of saying, hey, you know, this guy really can be something special even before the season started. And, and we saw that. And he's still raw. I mean, he's still a young guy. And so I expect significant strides there. And I think that's a, a key part of this spring. And then the other component, too, is when you talk about Randy Clements. Bear uh, Bryant's not coming back. You know, Junction boys uh, at A&M are, are not coming back. Uh, those guys, I assume some of those guys died early because of that. I, I don't know. But uh, Clements brings that type of mentality. And it's going to be a drastic change for what the offensive linemen have been used to. And not to say that Jack McNeil or Stacey Serials were soft because they weren't, but he takes it up a notch. Randy's just kind of a, an old school coach. Um, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see after spring ball, if there's any guys that say, you know what? Nope. I don't like it. I'm going to head out. And that doesn't mean that's a bad thing. Uh, It's just a different approach that these guys are going to have to get used to because they have to get better running the ball. Uh, And here's a stat for you that I think is kind of glaring. If you go back to 2020, look at North Carolina's offense inside the red zone uh, in terms of yards per carry running the ball, Carolina averaged right at three yards per carry, which is pretty good. Go back to 2015, that dominant offense with Marquise Williams. North Carolina averaged 3.8 yards per carry inside the red zone. That was good for fourth nationally. Behind only Baylor through Randy Clements, coached the offensive line for that team, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. That's the elite level there. Last fall, however, North Carolina ranked 122nd in yards per carry in the red zone at 1.8 yards per carry. That has to change. That gets back to what we talked about earlier. Mac Brown wants to be able to run the ball when he wants to run the ball. Uh, and it's a matter of mindset change. It's a matter of emphasis on what you're trying to do offensively. And then I think the other component of it, too, is uh, Stacey Sherrill talked about wanting to play eight guys. Jack McNeil talked about wanting to play eight guys. We haven't seen eight guys play a lot of snaps along the offensive line. Why is that? Is it poor development? Is it misevaluation evaluation on the recruiting trail? Is it guys that's not being given the opportunity? Uh, and so I, I think hopefully we will be able to see coming out of spring ball, okay, how many of these guys actually play the way Randy Clements wants them to play? How many can actually help North Carolina? Uh, because when you're in the fourth quarter and it's late and you're trying to put a game away, you got to have fresh legs, especially on the offensive line. And I think Carolina got into a situation last year; those guys were just beat by the end of the end of the game. And I'm not talking about you're rotating guys evenly uh, up and down the the lineup there, but you got to give guys breaks. You 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 take this series off, you take this series off, and having the ability to sit out for 10 or 15 snaps makes a difference late in games. Uh, and so that's, that's the long list, Tommy, I know, but those are kind of some of the things I'll be looking at.
1: No, I mean, I'm watching the chat go through and Bull Hill. We got you inside run is extremely important. Um, and Jason, you talked about that, but uh, and some other points that they're making in the chat, I felt like watching, especially the NC state game, especially in overtime, they just wasted downs by just running it up the gut um, for nothing. Um, so they've got to improve their buck. um I'll ask you straight out. Max talked a lot about things that need changing and got to get better at, got to get better at. And here we are, I guess, is this year five, year six of Mac time flies, Uh, but year five. I mean, at at what point does it actually change for you? Um, Like my title suggests hope springs eternal. Is it, is it finally this year?
2: Well, uh, I would, (laughs) be a total idiot if I were to answer that question in any shape, form, or fashion, which I'm not. I don't know if you know that about me or not, but total good idiot politician. is kind of <laughs> off the table. Uh, uh, I would, uh, going back to the question you asked Greg, which is, is interesting about sack percentages. Uh, Louisville led the nation at nearly 12%. And Florida State wasn't far behind at like 10 and a half. Uh, Miami was 10.23%, uh, and Pittsburgh was 9.3%, and Virginia was 9.21. So, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Miami, Florida State, and Louisville were all in the top 10 in the nation. Georgia Tech's
4: uh, up there as well.
2: Uh, which, you know, they, uh, North, the ACC, Clemson checked in at 17th. So, uh, the ACC is pretty strong in sack percentage. Meanwhile, North Carolina, it was 130, 130 in sack percentage. Now, that's uh, overall not just the D, D line. That's uh, sacks, no matter where they came from. Um, and and uh, to the point about a lack of substitution, substitutions on the offensive line. I understand Greg's point. I don't have in front of me real quick how many one score games North Carolina played last year, but it was a bunch. Nine of them. Yeah. So it's very much more difficult to substitute uh, when you're in a situation where one score is going to decide the game. And you got to decide if uh, Corey Gaynor at 80% is better than the backup at 100%. Uh, so those are the kind of decisions you have to make in a one-score game uh, that uh, probably led to lack of uh, – they probably could have done better, but that's just I'm throwing that out there. In terms of is this the year um, – you know, I I can't answer that question for anybody, but – I, I think that the pieces are there if they can put them together. I think the pieces are there in the box scattered around. And if they can put those pieces together, this could be a special year. And, um, you know, I've heard a dozen times, well, hundreds of times, that 2023 was supposed to be the year that North Carolina was pointing to for the turnaround, uh, has come up a bunch of times. So we'll see. It's a, it's kind of a tough schedule, uh, from my eyes, other people may not think it's tough, but I think it's tough. Um, and you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to play hard, uh, to get to equal their record last year. So we'll see, but the pieces are there. It's just a matter of, are they going to be able to put them together? Yeah, interesting, uh, some
1: interesting conversations going on in chat. Bull Hill, um, the offensive coordinator search, Mac interviewed a couple play, a couple people. Drake talked to um, both of them, and as Greg just discussed, um, Drake liked the Lindsey choice. Uh, Mac made the decision, of course. Taylor, get you in here. Um, you, you know, we've talked about sack percentage and buck listed out of those teams. They all have studs. Um, in certain places, Carolina certainly got the talent um, that they should be able to do that. But just overall, um, let's kind of do this. Where are you on this program? I mean, I don't know how else to ask it. Just nine and five sounds like really good for North Carolina football historically, but it doesn't feel good watching it all go down. And here we are, spring practice coming around. A lot of new pieces. Maybe one big piece not um change but where are you personally going into this spring practice
3: yeah i think a lot of times people say like if you say north if you would have told me at the end of the year north carolina was nine and five you would have taken that um but we we all saw how it how it played out so it's hard to sit there at the end at the end of the year and be satisfied when you see a team that was nine and five when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And you didn't know that at the beginning of the year. And if you had known that the the ceiling of the team is, is that much higher. So where I'm at with the program is kind of like I mentioned in the opening like statements and um, kind of, I think I've seen the the sentiment from, from fans a lot where it's like, there's nothing that any player or any coach could, tell me in the spring to make me feel you know better about this team worse about this team it we're year five under Mac Brown the the whole goal was to kind of close that gap against uh, the teams like Clemson and and the national powerhouses because when you bring in somebody like Mac Brown with his pedigree you're supposed to get there Um, so so there's really nothing any press conference can there's nothing that could be said in a press conference that can sway my opinion. It's going to have to be in the games and and actually seeing the results. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from the bowl game was seeing Mac Brown after, after the loss Um, like a lot, a lot of fans push a narrative that like Mac is old. He doesn't really care. Like I, I saw him like pretty upset after the bowl game and, it was it was kind of like tough to watch him like talk and address, um, the the reporters when when you know how much he cares and how invested he is into the program, um, but at the same time he is going to be judged off off wins and losses and when you have a quarterback as good as Drake May when you've recruited as well as he has, eventually you you do have to close that gap to Clemson and we saw in the ACC championship that that gap felt as wide as it's ever been with with Clemson kind of being able to do whatever they wanted
1: Jason I'm gonna get you in here um one thing Don Callahan said on the scoop podcast he and Ross Martin earlier um the most recent one that's out there is Don said that as far as recruiting because some people are talking about recruiting in the chat and it's certainly relevant um as far as recruiting for for a long time Matt could sell what could be you can come and be a part of something that could be. And now four years, um, kids see what it is. And and so is there pressure on, on Mac from your perspective here and to, to continue to move forward? Uh, I mean, has the floor risen for Carolina football? I feel like it has, but I'm not sure the ceiling at this point has risen with it. Um, Jason, where are you there? And then I'll come to you, Greg.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a very high pressure season for this staff, for Mac Brown in general. Uh, partly because they've underachieved the last couple of years in terms of expectations, and partly because there's going to be a lot of if they can't win and do if they can't get get close with Drake May at quarterback. There's going to be a lot of whispers about that like look how many of those guys are out there and if you can't win with that guy then where are you going so this is one of those years where you've got to you've got to find ways to produce and you've got to find ways to squeeze out maybe a win or two that, that you don't expect uh and and i think this is the year where if you're going to maintain an upward trajectory and reset the the ceiling for the program. You have to leverage the generational type quarterbacks that are in your program. You have to, you have to let those guys, I mean, Clemson became Clemson because when Deshaun Watson and the elf were there, they, they got every ounce out of those guys. They could before they left and they won and all of a sudden they're they're that they're that program. So th- that's what you have to do if you're if you're UNC at this point.
1: That's a hell of a comment right there. You nailed it. I'm pretty sure Greg but I'm gonna come to you and let you wrap the show. I mean uh, I mean to Jason's point there, that that's a really good comment. I got to cut that up and put it on social media, but you have to get that out of what you have and Clemson did that. Dabo Sweeney was able to do that. The question is, is is Mac Brown, is this staff, is this program able to do that here?
4: Yeah, there's so many there's only so many opportunities that you have to kind of capitalize on on generational talents. So Jason's spot on there. Um, I was asked by somebody close to the program several weeks ago, why, why were you so critical of the football team last year when they won nine games, when they won the Coastal, uh, got to play Clemson for the ACC title? And the answer is because when Mac Brown came back ahead of the 2019 season, he came back to finish what he started. And if you go back to the 96-97 seasons, Carolina was, was, was right there. Florida State at that point in time uh, was that was when they were winning, you know, they were finished top four 14 years in a row. Uh, top five program for sure. You can make the case, top one or two every single year. And Carolina was close, but wasn't quite able to get over that hurdle. And that was a tough ask anyway. But Carolina was as close as they had really ever been dating back to you know the seventies. When Matt came back the goal was to kind of get the program back there and to see if there was an opportunity to finally get over that hump. And so when, when people start talking about, well, you know, North Carolina, just historically, if they win eight games, that's really good. there's a lot of bad years when John Bunning was here and when Butch Davis was here. Yeah, you're right. There were bad years, but Mac Brown didn't come back just to get the program up to where it's a little bit better than maybe where Larry Fedora had it, although Larry did a pretty good job until there at the end. Matt brought came back to, to really elevate this program up, to, to see what what they could kind of squeeze out of that potential, as Jason kind of mentioned there with the quarterback com- comments. Uh, and so I, I do – I think this is a very important year for North Carolina. I think that the program is on the right trajectory. You know, uh, trajectories are not always linear there's going to be some ups and downs, and that, that's part of the program-building aspect. I do think the fact that the defense has struggled the way that it has is a problem. I mean, if you look at S&P Plus, your collegefootballdata.com, they, they kind of apply all the, the formulas and can go back a long ways. I mean, this is the worst defense that Mac Brown has fielded, I think, since
1: 1988,
4: when you look at S P
1: And that team – was a run everybody out.
4: Yeah, for sure.
1: And, and start over defense.
4: Correct. And Mac Brown has always had good defenses. Uh, Carolina, his first time around in Texas. It was never a question. Uh, so that that's kind of been what's really held this this program back. And so I think this is this year's an opportunity for, for North Carolina to take that next step. Now, does that mean that they have to win the ACC this year? Not necessarily. They need to compete for it. And I think now that you're done with division play, really be in the mix. Really give yourself an opportunity to play for the ACC title for a second year in a row. And I think if you do that, then you answer some of the questions that people have been asking of late about how the team finished 2022 with four straight losses. Um, so is a program where Mack Brown wants it to be, where fans think it should be relative to the talent on hand? No. But I do think the 2023 season sets the table for them to really have the opportunity to say, we've got all the pieces we need. Now we have to go out there and produce. And so that's what this season's about. It's about producing.
1: I agree with that. It's a show me season for North Carolina and spring practice starts March the 5th, uh, Sunday, and then spring game or whatever they're going to do. I'm not sure there'll be a game, but we'll see what they do on April 15th. Um, when spring wraps, and then it'll be off-season time until fall camp fires back up. North Carolina's 2023 season will be here before you know it. That's Greg Barnes, that's Taylor Vipolis, that's Jason Staples, and, of course, that's El Jefe Buck Sanders Spin inside Carolina football roundtable. Hope Springs Eternal, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. Shout out to the folks that have joined us. If you've got any suggestions, hit me up. On my email or on Twitter or on the message boards. Y'all know where to find me. Thanks, boys.
0: From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band YouTube. Kiss the Future.
4: New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.